Father, I uh, thank you for your presence, Lord. I, God, throughout Scripture, even as we talk and hear about this idea of, I know we talked in the first service about that as Moses, he went up and, and he saw, he sat with God as, they, as you, as you uh, made the Ten Commandments and he came down and says his face was glowing. And God, it was glowing because he had simply been gazing upon the beauty of Jesus. And in that, God, it literally, he had no idea he was radiating. God's how it is with us. When your, when your presence comes, God, we, we radiate that presence. And, and God, we recognize that, the, 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 that Moses' friends, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the presence of God. They said, please, take, take a cloak and cover your face. God, there was, this, there was this fear of you, an unholy fear. They were afraid, God, of, of you. They didn't know your goodness. They didn't know that what you were doing is for their good because you loved them. And so, God, they, they distanced themselves from you because they didn't understand that you loved them. Your presence produced an unhealthy fear rather than a, a holy fear of reverence and of respect and of intimacy with you. And, Lord, this morning we... We say, Jesus, we want your glory to come. We want that, which is your manifest presence, that, that part of you that, that of Isaiah 6, of filling the temple of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of Moses, where it said he would, and I, in Exodus 33, that he would sit with God and speak to God as a friend, face-to-face as a friend speaks with a friend. Lord, that's what we desire. Father, I pray this morning for those, God, who are just in this, this unhealthy place of fear of God not feeling like they can connect, not feel because of maybe sin in their life, or maybe, God, it's just because they just don't think they're worthy, and they live disconnected and fearing you because they just don't think you like them. This morning, I pray, Jesus, for those this morning, God, that you would break through, and God, that your presence would not scare them, that they would respect you. This is we respect our, our parents but that, Father God, there would be a real authentic understanding that you desire to be with us because of your love for us. And so, Father, whatever you need to do this morning for these, we pray that you would do this work, God. Father, we praise you for Psalm 27. It says, The Lord, you, O God, you are our light, and you, God, are our salvation. Whom shall we fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon us to devour our flesh, our adversaries and our enemies, they will stumble and they will fall. Though a host encamp against me, my heart and our hearts will not fear. Though war rise against us, in spite of this, we shall be confident. One thing have I asked from the Lord. And one thing will we seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal us in his tabernacle. And in the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. And he will lift me up on a rock. And now, and now, my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. We will not fear. But Father, we will stand in your presence. 
And we will long for you to come knowing that the more of you that we experience, that we know, God, when we begin to know you in fullness and grow in our knowledge of you, Jesus, that we decrease because you increase. And, Father, we will not fear. And in those areas, God, we ask that you would help us to not fear but to trust and to know that you fight for us. Father, we pray this all in the strong, strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good. The Lord is good. I just love being in His presence. It's one of those things that if, you know, worship, if you do that one time a week on Sunday morning, I would encourage you to try it at least a couple more days a week. It's a, it's a good time to be with him and allow him just to wash and to cleanse and to speak and, and, uh, and have his way in us. So. Well, this morning I want to um, just begin. Um, uh, Randall already mentioned the fact that Kids Beach Club is, has come to an end, right? It's our primary out, one of the primary outreaches we do at, at Abney Elementary. And we had a great time. We started, like Randall said, I don't know, somewhere between probably about 50 kids. We started back in the fall, and we ended this past Thursday. I had over 180 kids who were coming, right? It was a great, great time together. And during that season, you know, we were able to just to really lay out the gospel of Jesus, not in a cheap way, right? We don't do cheap grace like Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, right? We, we name just this real authentic gospel, right? The sacra, hey, we're letting the kindergarten kids say, be a Christian, you got to sacrifice everything that you have. They're like, what, right? But just literally saying, if you're going to follow Jesus and if you're going to respond to that call, won't you know what you're responding to? This full nature of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to, to live for him. And I'll never forget, we sat there with that 60-something kids and, you know, sit, sit around me just sharing, sharing the full gospel with them, right? Of sacrifice and giving up their lives and following every day of their life and, and being obedient to him. And, and, and they're just looking at me going, okay, you know, and just, and just offering this, this discipling them in that process. It was a fantastic time, right? It was an incredible outreach, just a, a great, great delight and joy. And, and, uh, and so we had our last one this past Thursday, and Randall talked about it. We saw pictures. They had this great kind of year-end party. And so I wanted to share with you just, yeah, some of the, and you can, we can just run through these as I read some of these, uh, these things. We actually got some notes on Facebook from some of the parents. And so I wanted to share some of these things with you just as an encouragement for what God was doing and, and really how it impacted not just the students but the parents of these students. The PTA president, she said this, I have to say a heartfelt thank you to all the volunteers at KBC or Kids Beach Club especially Miss Lori, uh, Lori McMass. She wrote the sweetest note to Bethany that made both of us get teary-eyed when we read it. Abney is so blessed to have had Vintage 242 adopt Kids Beach Club this year. Another mother came and says, I was in tears tonight reading the girls' notes from their leaders. I am sad it is ending. It's another great thing to hear. I am sad that you're leaving. I'm sad that it's ending. I cannot thank all, thank you all enough for everything. And then mother number two and who had, who had seen the two previous posts, is I have to admit, I'm with the two weenies above, smiley face, right? I teared up when I read what you wrote to my daughter. It was sweet. Both my daughter and son have absolutely loved Beach Club this year. It's been special for them. Thanks so much to all your dedicated 242 folks for making Beach Club at Abney so awesome 
you guys are fantastic. He said, we've said all along, and it's the vision of who we are at Vintage, that we want to be a church that if we close our doors tomorrow, the community actually misses us, right? That we really don't gather so we can worship on Sunday morning. We, we gather so we can kick you out the four, four, the four doors, right? Go outside the four walls and be Jesus everywhere that you go. And this is one of the primary things that we're doing. And Reich Randall said, we can, we can, we can say confidently, we believe, that if we left and didn't, could not come back next year to Abney, that they would desperately miss us and long for us to come back. And it's a testimony just of what God is, is doing in our midst, right? It's a testimony of all the things that he's doing. And I want you to know, as we take up our offering here in a second, that I want you to know that part of what you give every week goes towards Kids Beach Club. I tell you that for this reason. So, so often in our obedience to Jesus with our finances, it's like we give money in the context of a vacuum. We have no idea what's really going on with it, right? Am I buying a new car with it? What's really happening? Who really knows, Right. But this is what we're doing. We're investing every week. Right? We, we spent money to go towards the year-end thing. You know what? We were very excited about spending a lot of money right, for, for these kids because we love them. Right? It's part of the outreach of what we're doing, leading, leading children to Jesus and ultimately leading their parents to Jesus. And so with that, I want you to know this morning as we take up our offering in a minute and pass our baskets down, I want you to recognize it's not done in a vacuum. But what you're giving is actually having a kingdom impact, and we simply want you to know that. So with that, pass the baskets down. If you're a first-time guest, do not feel compelled at all to give anything. All we ask that you do is take that Connect card you filled out, and you would put it in there. If you want to get, if you want to get connected at Vintage and know what's going on, the life of Vintage, make sure you check that box uh, about getting on the newsletter. That's how we figure out most of what's going on at Vintage. Business, the best way to stay connected, and so we'd like you to do that. All right, well, today is Mother's Day, and so uh, I just want to let you know I'm not speaking a Mother's Day message. Okay, if you came this morning really excited about hearing a Mother's Day message because you want me to tell you how awesome you are, you're awesome. Right. There you go. That's what you're going to get this morning. Right. No, seriously, you're awesome. Right. God loves you. God loves that you're a mother. And so this morning I have to confess that I really did this whole message and I really forgot it was Mother's Day, to be completely honest with you. So I sat there. I sat there last night. and I'm like, oh, I should probably tie in something mother like in the message. So I'm going to do that this morning is to honor you. Right. That's not my my intention. And here's the reason I sat down on Thursday. And how many of you know God still speaks today, right? He loves to speak to his children. And so I sat down on Thursday and I, and I prayed the prayer I always pray. I get ready, I'm just ready, ready, getting ready for, to prepare for Sunday. I'm like, God, is there anything specific you want me to share with vintage? All right? Just, and I speak that and then I just take some time and listen, right? Give, and I, how do you know? It's like I got to tune, God's speaking. I just got to tune my heart into what he's already speaking, right? So I sit there and like, God, just sitting in my chair, God, are you, is there anything specific you want me to speak to vintage? And, and, and just quickly, the Lord spoke into the moment. So what I want to do this morning, I want to share with you what he said. And I'm going to break it. I'm just going to kind of break that down and what that means for us and what it means for you. What it means for you as moms and what it means for us as children of God and what it means to understand the character of God better. So y'all cool with that? All right, very good. Here we go. If you're not okay with it, too bad. Here we go. So this is what I feel like God spoke into the moment very clearly. He just simply said, Steve, I want them to know that I am a God of justice. I am a God of justice. God is a God of justice. And I'm going to break that down this morning to begin to paint this picture of who he is and ultimately how he sees us and how he sees creation. Now, talking about God being a God of justice, you have to begin with the fact that God is just. Okay? God is just. So if I say to you this morning, God is a just God, what I simply mean, right, is 
just be overly simple here. When I tell you that God is just, what I'm saying to you is that God is always right. Okay? God is righteous. God is just. God is perfect. God is blameless. God has no blemish. He has no spot upon him. God is always right. His motives are right. His desires are right. His will is perfect, right? And all of these things that he is doing in life, God is always right. God is always perfect. And so so God, he is just in his love for us. He's perfect. He's always right in his love for us, right? He's always right as it relates to the, the, the direction that he leads us in life. God is always right. God is just, okay? So that's right here. God is always right in comparison to you and me. Who is not always right? In fact, be speaking to mothers, I know that I'm not always right because my mom used to always tell me, Steve, that's wrong, right? She helped me define morality right from wrong. That was one of her jobs and roles that God placed in, in her for me, right? That I was not always right. I had some spots. I had sin. I had blemishes, whatever it may be. And so God is just. God is always perfect. God is always right. And so we say then that God is a God of justice, What we simply mean is this. If God is just, there are things that are going on in life that are not right. And so God's justice is poured out in that moment. It's his movement to make the wrong thing right. You get that? God, something, something broken, something that's not right, something that's not his will is occurring in life. And justice is poured out. It's his movement to make that thing which is wrong right. And so for us as Christians, especially those who have grown up in church all of our lives, we, we, have, we, we think about God's justice, and if we're completely honest, it's a little bit scary, right? Because we know the things in our life that aren't right or is called sin. Anything we do that's opposed to the, to the will of God. Right. And so so we find we find in our lives there's sin. We're like, oh, no. Right. There's this disconnect. There's this sin in our life. There's this thing that's not right in our life. And so if I say to you, God is a God of justice, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> really, if you're saying like, oh, my gosh, God's going to come in the moment. Right. And he's going to bring justice. And so we think of like his anger. We think of his wrath and all this kind of stuff, because God is going to move in even in our lives into the things that are not right. He wants to make the wrong right. Something's broken. He wants to fix it. We understand it in the context of, of our court system today. In theory, in theory, right, our laws are just. And so when we break a law, justice is poured out. You're driving down the road, 85 miles per hour, 25 mile per hour zone, policeman pulls you over, right? The law is just. You've broken it. And so justice is poured out. You've got to pay a bunch of money, right? That's just justice in the moment, right? Making the wrong right. And so when we talk about justice, what we're simply meaning is that God being a just God, he has to move into these places of things that aren't right and make them right. And we think of it maybe in the sense of God's anger or God's wrath or whatever it may be. But I want to say this. Biblically speaking, Biblically speaking, all the way back to the Old Testament, the understanding of God's justice is actually birthed out of compassion and mercy. God's justice that he pours out in life is not because of anger and wrath, but because of his compassion 
and because of his mercy. Therefore, you can say that, the, that God's character is he's a God of justice, and his justice then is birthed out of his compassion and mercy for us and for his creation. It goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. The, the disciples, excuse me, the, the, the people of God are, they're leaving Egypt, right? I forget exactly where it is. Somewhere between Genesis 10 and 13. I should have written it down and actually just read the verse to you, right? But, but it's in, excuse me, Exodus, right? Exodus 10 to 13, somewhere along those lines. And, and they're walking along the path, right? And somewhere along the path, God looks down, who's just, and he says, whoa, 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 that's not right. And he pours out justice. The thing that was not right is he said this. Listen, you must care for the orphan and the widow and the stranger in your land. You see that, right? God looks down or looks ever, ever how God looks, right? We're just looking down, looking, I don't know, whatever he does. He's God, right? He's looking somehow connected, right? He looks upon the situation and in his justice, he says, that's not right. His compassion and his mercy compelled him to pour out justice in the moment. It was not okay and it was not right for the orphan and the widow and the strange in their land to not be cared for and provided for. So he spoke into the moment justice for them. So I'm going to just get real political for a second. I don't normally do this, okay? I'm about to get very political. Now I want to throw this out to you. The word from Exodus was never rescinded. So we still care for the orphan and the widow, and we're still called to care for the stranger in our land who are the illegal immigrants. I want you to hear me theologically speak that apart from politics. Let me say the call of God is to care for the orphan and the widow and the stranger in our land. So I want you to go wrestle through that biblically because that has never been rescinded. And he's still calling us to care for and to provide for strangers in our land. He's not just talking about spiritually non-Christians. He's talking about any one of those who comes in and has no rights and has no legal bounds protecting them. So let that sink in, right? And you go wrestle with that. Wrestle without the Lord and figure out where you stand theologically and not politically on issues that God talks about in Scripture all the way back to the book of Exodus. So... Now, pulling back out from that. So God, God is a God who cares for the orphan and the widow and the stranger in the land. Why? Because it was unjust. There were no laws guarding and protecting them. So he speaks into the moment and says, God, my compassion and my mercy compelled justice to be spoken into the moment for those who have no rights and have no legal bounds. And so his compassion and mercy motivated his justice. It was his mercy and his compassion that caused Jesus to speak forth the story of the Good Samaritan. It is not just for this person to bleed out on the side of the road. And you religious types think you should walk by them and not care for them. This stranger in your land. In fact, I'm telling you to get off of your high horse and to go give your life to those who have no rights and who are literally sitting there bleeding out. His compassion and his mercy motivated his justice in the moment. So the, the same can be said about your sin. We get scared of God pouring out justice on even our own personal sin. 
And we're like, oh, no, God's angry and he's doing this work. But I want to say to you, it's the, the sin in your life. Guess what? It's not right. Right. It is opposed to God's will. Therefore, out of his mercy and his compassion, he moves to convict of sin and to remove it from your life. Why? Not because he's angry with you, but because he hates sin. And he recognizes the fruit of all sin is death. And that is not right. And it's not okay for my children and for my people and for my creation. So I'm going to move in their life with justice, compelled by my mercy and my compassion, because I love my children too much to let sin stay in their camp. And so with mercy and compassion, he speaks conviction into our heart. And we receive as he hates us when instead he just hates our sin. And says, because I love you, because I care, because of my compassion and because of my mercy, I am speaking justice into your life so that sin will be removed. How many of you? This is an interesting. This would be an interesting hand raising moment. I'd love to know who committed the worst sin of their life in the past year. I would love to not really know that, <laughs> right? I don't. How many of you have lived in the greatest disconnect from your own personal morality and convictions in the last year? You've distanced yourself the most from that. Right? You had your your moment of rebellion. My mom used to call it her. It was interesting. My mom she used to call it a period of of willful disobedience. Me, I want you to hear this real quick. I wasn't, this is not in my notes. I didn't say it in nine o'clock service, but I want to say it here. My mom, I'll never forget, she came back to Christ. She had a period of willful disobedience. That's what she called it. She used to laugh about it. But towards the end of her life, I joked about it, and we'd always joke about it. Your period of willful disobedience, oh, all right? And all of a sudden, one day, I'll never forget, I was probably about 20 years old in college, and I made a joke about her period of willful disobedience. She stopped me, put her hand up. She said, it's not funny anymore. I mean, what? She's like, I got convicted the other day about sin in my life. And my choices, and I realized my willful disobedience was actually directly against God's love for me and my love for him. And I will never joke about that ever again. And it was the sobering moment for me of her revelation of the power of sin. And what I recognized was that God's mercy and compassion loved her so much to move into that moment. It was a lengthy period of time, right? And God spoke into her life of saying, I love you too much to let you stay in that place. I am compelled by my justice to move into that broken place. And so what we find is God's mercy and it's God's compassion that compel him to move into broken places and make things right, whether it's your own individual heart or broken places in culture and society and the church itself. It's God's mercy and compassion. It's his character that compels him to move and to fight against things that are broken and to stand up for the right thing. Jesus spoke to me and said, Steve, tell them I am a God of justice. Birth out of compassion and mercy that compels me to bring justice, to bring rightness into wrongness. In fact, that's the very reason why we have the cross of Christ. 
We've been celebrating the resurrection for the last several weeks because it's an everyday thing. You don't just have a day, you celebrate resurrection. It's an every moment of everyday reality in our lives, right? And so we've come and said, let's just continue to celebrate the reality of the resurrection. And last week we talked about the, the, the cross of Christ. And think about it. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're in their, in their Trinity moment doing, doing, doing life together in community. And finally they said, hey, enough is enough. Our justice, right? Our justice, my justice as God, it compels me to step into the world of brokenness and make broken things right again. And we will do that through the cross of Christ. We'll do that through the cross. I will die and I will conquer death and hell and sickness and all the fruit of sin will be broken and I will, I will be raised again to the resurrection. And like I said last week, and I will take my place as being preeminent and superior and having authority over all things. It is who I am. The, the resurrection, we said it, it screams, it cries out the preeminence of Jesus. He is all, He is number one. He is sovereign. He has authority. He is God over all. He is Lord. And he speaks into the moment and he says, he said, it is not, listen, it is not okay for death and for sin and the fruit of sin to reign in this world any longer. My justice compels me, right? Me being just, it compels me to bring justice, right? To break the power of the enemy, to break the power of sin, and to break the power of death. And so he comes and he's resurrected and he says, Now look, I am preeminent. I am Lord. Everybody look and believe. I am here, and it's my justice that got me here. Jesus speaking into the brokenness of our world and producing life. We see this pictured in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, looking at verse 35 through 36, and it says this. Read along on the screen. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and healing every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, get the picture. Jesus, we, we know, right, when they had the feeding of the, the, feeding of the 5,000, that was just men. So there's probably over 15,000 people who were following Jesus every moment of every day. And I don't know what, I don't know the exact picture, but he's probably walking and gets up to some kind of high area, right? And he's able to turn around and look and, and all he can see is 15,000 people. That's a mass of people focusing in on and honing in on one man. And so Jesus turns around and all of a sudden his heart is, is his heart explodes like oh right compassion is an emotional response and so Jesus has this emotional response of compassion in the moment he looks at it, he's like oh and he just says he's like oh my gosh all of these men women and children they're like sheep without a shepherd they're like sheep without a shepherd if you know anything about sheep anything about a shepherd a shepherd's job basically is to to lead and to guide, and to protect, and to, to, to fight for, and to preserve the life of their sheep. Basically, they're supposed to be parents. Spiritual parents discipling, leading, guiding, and directing, and speaking life. And Jesus is looking and said, man, there's not enough disciples. There aren't enough people to come alongside of and, and to care for with compassion all of these people who, have, who are living under the sentence of death. 
right? It was his mercy and compassion that compelled him, even in this moment, to being poured, to pour out justice. What kind of justice was he pouring out? He came up to those who were living in sickness and disease, and he was saying, that is not God's will. That's not my perfect plan. He laid hands on them, and he brought justice. He healed them. He spoke into the moment. This is the heart of Jesus. He lived his ministry life with compassion motivating him to action, to take the wrong things and to make them right because and bring justice in the moment. You see, moms understand this. At least my mom did. My mom, under, my, my mom I think moms understand this. In their heart, they, something happens to your child. Something unjust happens to your child. And what happens? You become seven feet tall and really big immediately, right? You become mama bear. How dare you, right? You begin to protect and to fight for and to guard, right? You're hyper aware of everything going on. Like, who's that person you're hanging out with, right? I'm not sure if you're hanging out with them, right? But you're, you're constantly there in this moment. You're fighting for and guarding and protecting, right? That's what you do. See, they be, see parents, moms, they become, they recognize and they begin to pour out justice. This is something unjust happening to my child and I'm going to fight for them. Right. Compassion and mercy. It compels me to action in the moment. Listen, when I was about I forget how old I was, I think around nine years old, we some uh, some buddies of mine, we were hanging out at our house. And like we always do, we would run out the front door, we'd come around the back, we'd go through our backyard, through our our back, our, our neighbor behind us, through their yard, down their driveway and into our buddy's house across the street from them. And so, so we did that, like we do every day, literally every day. This is our, this is our thing. So here we are, we're running, right? Running through our backyard, into their backyard. As we get to their driveway, out of the corner of my eye, I see a flash. And I turn to see this killer dog coming after us. I don't know, it's like five pounds. I don't know, anyway. But it's this really big dog, and he's barking really loud, right? And he's, and he's doing this thing, and he comes running. So I'm like, we're, and we're running as fast as we can. And so he's barking, he's barking, he's barking. And his name was Dan, right? Dan the killer dog. And so Dan the killer dog, is, he literally comes running from the side and he starts barking and starts trying to like nip at our heels, right? And, and so we're like, the best thing to do with a barking dog trying to bite us is not to stop and pet it, but to keep on running, right? So we didn't stop. We just kept on running, went straight through, made it to my buddy's house. We're like, man, that's a crazy dog, Dan, right? It's, it's crazy. So anyway, about several hours later, I have now, I'm now at home. We've just finished eating dinner and the phone rings. And I'm on, hello. Hey, how are you? Oh, really? Huh. Well, hold, hold on. Let me ask him real quick. I'm like, my mom goes, Steve. And I turn in the corner. I'm like, yeah, what's, what's up? And she said, she said, this is Dan's owner behind us. She said that uh, you went running through her yard today. I said, yeah, yeah, like we always do. We're just running straight to Dane's house back over there. We actually were racing on the way. She said, well, she's saying that you stopped, you picked up sticks and rocks, and you threw them at the dog. I said, no, 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 no. I said, we, mom. I mean, like the, the deepest conviction is it didn't actually happen. Didn't happen, okay? Ma, I promise, I promise it didn't happen. I, we, we, in fact, the dog came, killer dog came running out, right? And I think it bit a hole in my leg. No, I was like, the dog's biting me, Mom. Seriously, biting at us and barking really. So we just kept on running because we didn't want to stop and get bit. And I said, Ma, I promise, with everything in me, we did not throw sticks and we did not throw rocks. So my mom goes. Well, you're right. Steve didn't run through your yard today, but he's saying that he did not stop and throw anything at your dog. Must have been somebody else that did that. So I apologize for any confusion. She gets on the phone. This happens. She goes, right, right. I just everything. Her countenance changes. 
She goes, I hear her say, my son is not lying. How dare you say that about my son? I don't believe you. I believe my son, my son. And she starts going on and on, right? And she, we're talking like, I mean, this little five foot nothing mom, like mama bear comes popping out. And my dad, also my dad's washing dishes. She goes, whoa. He turns around like this, like he's washing. He goes, whoa, what's happening over here? My dad's, he's a big guy, right? And he kind of just, he kind of dries the last dish, walks over and he just goes, uh, he goes, he goes, uh, I think your conversation is done. Have a great night. <laughs> hung up, right? And my mom, she starts, I cannot believe that she said that. You, you run through there all you want to see, right? I cannot believe she said that. Da, 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 da. And I looked at her and I just said, Mom. She goes, ah, what, honey? Right? She just shifted from Mama Bear to compassionate mom, right? I said, Mom, I want you to know I honestly was 100% telling you the truth. And she looked at me and she said, I know. I believe you. And I was just, we, I had one of those moments, like I'm not one of those like uber emotional guys or anything like that, but I, something, something, listen, something shifted in that moment. I remember that story like it was yesterday. I remember her standing in the hall. I remember, and I just, I didn't know what to do, so I just hugged her. I was at that age, you didn't hug naturally, right? Like I'm one of those forced things, you know what I'm saying? And I just like, I just like compelled and I gave her this big hug and she told me she loved me, you know, it was just a, a great and powerful moment, right? And I just kind of stepped away, but I want to tell you something. There was something powerful in that moment. There was something powerful when she fought for me, when she stood up for me. Basically, when my mom saw something happening that was unjust in the moment and she poured out justice into that moment and she stood up for and she fought for me and she was on my team and I knew that she was there and I did not question that at all, that she chose to believe me, a child who had probably lied to her not just that many days before, right, believing me over this adult over here. You see, something, this is, this is what I want you to hear, something powerful shifts inside of each of us when we recognize that God is just and that his compassion and mercy compels him to bring justice into our lives. When all of a sudden we know that he is fighting for us, that he is defending us, that his compassion and his mercy is compelling him in the moments of our brokenness, in the moments of our difficulties, in the moments of our hardship, to literally say, that is unjust. I must, by my character, with my compassion and mercy, I'm compelled to speak into the broken place and make it right. And so Jesus said on Thursday, Steve, It is imperative that they know that I am a God of justice. You see, he was speaking that to you, birthed out of his compassion and mercy, so that you would know him fully, so that you could stand in that place of being undone, saying, Oh God, you are just. And you fight for me. 
and you love me, and you will not allow sin and the worst sin of my life to stay present. You pour out justice. You allow me to hit rock bottom. That's what it takes to bring me back to you, God, because your compassion and your mercy, they compel you to deal with broken things in my life, broken things in our lives, in our culture, and in our body. Jesus, that's who you are. Do you see the justice of God, the movement of God to make right things that are wrong because only he ultimately knows he's righteous and he is just. Do you know him that way? Moms, you have a head start, I believe. Understand that part of God. Moms, do you, do you know why you're designed and wired the way that you are? Because you were created in the image of God, according to Genesis. You are brimming with compassion and mercy. You, Mama Bear, pops out. Why? Because you've been designed, you've been designed and created in the image of the living God, who pours out justice on unjust things. So, a couple of things for us. We're doing at Vintage in this understanding of God's justice. Number one is this. We had a nine of prayer, not this, not this previous, not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before. Harvest, who's here now to start walking, Harvest, in the second row, led us along with Timothy on, on drums. We just had a nine. We basically prayed for about two hours and just sought the face of God, and we just cried out and prayed, all that kind of stuff. But what I feel like God is saying to us in the season is this. There are things that are God's will. There are things that are opposed to God's will. There are things that are going on even in our midst that is ultimately not God's desire. These are unjust things. The two things that are happening, number one, extreme sickness. We've had a, just a, this, this rampant uh, spreading of cancer, right? I've heard it from other churches, too. This cancer is popping up. We've had, like, I don't know, four or five people with cancer just in the last four to five months. I mean, it's just been over when this was way, way, way too much. And so I felt like God's saying, that is unjust, and I want you to cry out for justice. I want you to come together and pray and to intercede. I want you to fight. We're simply doing what Jesus did in Matthew 9, and we're, we're praying and speaking into the, the sickness and the disease, right, that's going on in our own body. And so we're coming together. We're going to seek God's face. And we're going to pray and cry out and just ask God to and say, God, break this. It's your will, God, to, to break the power of sickness and and death in our midst. That's the testimony of the cross. So we're going to come and do that. Second thing is this. Man, I was talking to Leela Herbert about a month ago, and she said, Steve, I feel like marriages at Vintage are under attack. And so I believe we need to begin praying for our marriages. And so I've just been, man, I've just been hearing again and again. I've been overwhelmed by this, the, this influx of people who, who just have broken marriages. And so we're coming together, and we're going to pray. If that's you, that if you represent any of those things, we want you to come and pray with us, okay? Or if you simply want to come and pray with them, you want to connect hands with Jesus and say, we're not going to let go like the persistent widow. We're not going to stop knocking on the door until marriages are restored at vintage, until, until sickness is put at bay at vintage, right? We're going to begin praying and believing and crying out. Why? Because, listen, because, because we are able to lean on the justice of God. His compassion and his mercy compel him to move in unjust things. And he, that's a picture for us in Matthew 9, 35, 36. Jesus says, oh, they're all harassed. Like, and they're, they're all harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we're coming and saying, Jesus, move. Move these areas of injustice. 
We're going to cry out. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe God and wait for and watch and believe for breakthrough. Amen. Second thing we're going to do is this: uh, the, the pregnancy, the Paulding Pregnancy, Paulding Pregnancy Center. It's uh, for for um, oh gosh, this at-risk girls who are considering abortion. And so if you didn't know anything about my mom, my mom was on the hotline for the Gainesville Care Center. Anybody who would call at 3 in the morning who was going to have an abortion the next day, my mom was talking to her, talk, telling her about the love of Jesus and talking about just the beauty of her child, right, just defending the unborn. And so, so we have these baby bottles over here, right? Paul's and Pregnancy Center, they do this um, this fundraiser every year, they basically take out these baby bottles, and you just up until Father's Day, which is around early June sometime, you're putting all of your excess change into that baby bottle. And then you just bring it back and we'll take it over there, right? So that's nothing we're doing. That's an injustice. We are coming alongside of Jesus and doing our part to help in that area by simply taking a baby bottle home with their fundraiser and putting change in it to make a difference, okay? So the two things this morning we're naming this prayer and the baby bottle. We want you to do that. This morning, as we come into the, the end of our service and a time of ministry, what I recognize is that there are so many people, so many people who wrestle even, with the goodness of God. You wrestle and talk about God and God's justice. You look and say, well, why, why didn't God do this? Or why, why is this allowed? Why is this happening? Why do bad things happen to good people? All of these things that we wrestle with. And the crazy thing is, that's the testimony of Scripture. Bad things happen to good people all the way from Genesis chapter 3 all the way up. We live in a fallen world. Can I explain it to you? Listen, I took a class one time called the Philosophy of Pain and Suffering, and I got to the end of my class that I know less now about why it's happening than I ever did before, right? But all I can say is this. I have to believe that God is good. I have to believe he's good, and I cannot be offended by him. I cannot be offended by him. And so what we're going to do this morning is this. I recognize there are people who are in this room who have probably been offended by God. And I recognize that, I see it, and I acknowledge that. And all I can say is this, God is just. And my prayer for you is not, I can't make you believe that. Only thing that happened is that God can bring revelation. So my prayer for you this morning is, God, simply reveal yourself to them this morning, that you are good even when it doesn't seem like it. God, you are just, even when you don't show up on our timeline, that you do fight, you do defend, that you are good. And I'm going to simply ask this morning that God would reveal that to you. So, Father, this morning we ask as we come into this time that you would speak to us, Jesus. That you would have your way in us. That, Lord, those who come this morning with tension or with angst as it relates to your goodness, Lord, I pray, Jesus, I just confess, I can't make them believe. And I can't help them see that. God, I can't even get them there. All I can do is pray them into that place so that you can reveal yourself to them. Lord, that's what I'm asking for this morning. I'm asking for divine revelation of your goodness, of your justice, of you fighting for us, Lord, of your love for us. And so, Jesus, we say yes to you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. This morning we have ministry teams available if you'd like to come and get ministry. Ministry looks like this for us. If there's some, any kind of need, whatever it may be this morning, we invite you to come. 
have our teams available. They'll simply just come alongside of you, love on you, and pray for you. I don't care what it is. If it's something that stirred this morning or something that's stirring this week in your life, that's come forward let us pray for you. Like take communion this morning. Communion is available. This is communion this morning where we're coming. We're celebrating the reality of the cross and the resurrection and God's justice in that moment, of fighting for us, his compassion and his mercy. It's a celebration of his compassion and his mercy for us. If you need to go this morning and go celebrate Mother's Day, make sure you celebrate well. Love on your mom. Love on your, on your wife today. Let her, husbands, just let your wife know that you can never, ever do it without them. Make sure they know it. Make sure that they know it. Tell them how awesome they are. If they, if they can't receive it because you don't say it enough, then you keep saying it and keep embarrassing them so that they fully get it. Just do it all day long. Build them up and encourage them today. And eat lots of food if you're going somewhere where you're doing that. Okay? With that, don't forget to go out that door to get your your bottle. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.